Hello and welcome to another Vanda Insights podcast on the energy markets. I'm Vandana Hari in Singapore on the 21st of July 2020 and I'm privileged to have with me today Jose Chalho in Venezuela. He's worked with the state oil giant of the country Pedavesa and is now a political risk and an oil market consultant. Jose, a warm welcome. Hi Vandana, thank you for for the chance to 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 be on your podcast. It's uh, my pleasure. So, Jose, as we were preparing for this uh, podcast, uh, you were a little bit anxious about uh, the power uh, remaining and uh, not another outage. Um, what's the situation now with regard to uh, electricity supply in the country? Thank you. Th- thank you again, Pam Vandana. Well, the situation regarding, I mean, uh, the the whole power and electrical crisis in Venezuela, well, has turned somewhat better in some states of the country compared to the massive five days blackout that happened last year in March nine twenty. I mean, two thousand nineteen. Um, well, that has that you know that happened after years and years of lack of investments in the national power grid, that led as a consequence to to that blackout of for five days. But after that, the you know the the situation, you know, is far from being completely solved due to the ongoing mess. Uh, and lack of investments in you know in the power and mostly in the in the power distribution of you know the national power grid there's the generation of, of electricity in the main power dam in the southern st- state of Venezuela has improved according to many sources but there still remains you know issues in terms of generation of electricity in some states in the capital of Caracas, where power outages have been more common, you know, recently, so that's that's why I, I was a little bit, you know, anxious because I mean nobody knows when in a, a, another blackout could could occur or could ha- or could happen. Right. So um, yourself and a lot of people end up using uh, power generators, and and what kind of pro- uh, fuel do you need for that? Well, yeah. Uh, again, after that blackout, many people turned. Mostly, you know, wealthy and middle class people uh, have turned to purchasing power generators, um, running mostly on gasoline and natural gas, mm-hmm. uh, and also on diesel. But you know, the most used power generators uh, run uh, are running on gasoline. So, but now with the with the with the ongoing gasoline and gas domestic gas shortages happening across the country, the use of power generators have become also problematic because I mean, how how are you going to run all all those power generators? Of course, yeah. the situation the situation has turned a little bit better, uh, of course, compared with the with the blackout last year. But and also uh, the the sale. The sales of power generators have become a another boom in Venezuela since yes, last year. Yeah, yeah, and a, another big business. But uh, 
uh, you know, how, how can how can you run those power generators if you don't have enough gasoline for even to fill up your your cars or public transportation running on diesel mainly? Yeah. So that's another critical issue. So the country's refineries uh, are, are not running far from uh, an ideal situation. But uh, let's start with the Venezuelan crude production, which uh, our listeners will be very interested in. So I think the latest OPEC report um, had Venezuelan production at a little under half a million barrels per day. So is, is, does that sound about right to you? And, and why is this uh, general uh, downtrend? Where do you think this will end? Well, you know, uh, just to put it in a, into a perspective, Venezuela, um, back in nine, uh, 1997, if you check, uh, you know, the stats and data, reached its maximum oil production peak uh, at 3.7 million barrels per day. Wow. So, since, since the onset of the Bolivarian Revolution, and since the 2004, as far as I'm, of, you know, my direct knowledge of the industry, and you know, watching data from 2004 on, you know, up up until this year. The, the trend has been completely downward uh, and reaching minimums of 400,000 or three or or even less than 400,000 barrels per day and mainly that's because of of all the massive corruption going on in, in the industry in PDVSA the co- continuously lack of investments in critical facilities to lift up production uh, for maintenance I mean, uh, it's a whole, I mean, and as I tell many people without firing a single shot in the country, you know, I mean, uh, 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 the, normally this critical and the this level of destruction of any oil industry in any country, uh, you, you might see it in a, you know, in a war-torn country or yeah. in a country, you know, by, by civil war or insurgencies or or, or those type of stuff, but Venezuela has not suffered from 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 that type of war or conflicts or or you know, you, you you can figure. But uh, that 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 this level of destruction of the industry, as many reports, as many in the you know the spe- specialized media, and of course as OPEX uh, continuously cites it. I mean, uh, it's going to take a long time to recover the Venezuelan oil production because and a lot of investments. I mean, according to many studies here, local local centers, local experts, it's going to take around uh, 100 or maybe more 100 billions of dollars to recover the whole mess going on in Venezuela, you know, and without counting the destruction, the 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 the, you know, the other level of, of destruction of our refining circuit, you know. Yeah. So money which Venezuela doesn't have now, based on what you are saying, it, it looks to me like quite a self-inflicted wound. But what role do you think uh, the U.S. sanctions against the Venezuelan oil sector, starting in January 2019, have played in this uh, decline in production and exports? Yeah, well, when you hear, you know, the many members of Venezuelan governments blaming continuously the U.S. sanctions against PDVSA, against exports and imports of gasoline and oil, 
but those sanctions started in 2018 as far as I remember um, but I mean you can't blame those sanctions when you see the downward you know the start of that downward trend of Venezuelan oil production ever since 2004 and even before I mean in 2004 to put I mean to give you an example Venezuela was still producing 3.3 mil millions of barrels per day according to you know to official data in Venezuela and right. from that year from that year year after year that trend that steep you know that steep trend I mean just couldn't stop you just couldn't stop and the US sanctions yeah the US sanctions came just to put it like a little bit more pressure against oil exports against gasoline exports uh, imports against the purchase of diluents by Venezuela needed to you know to to try to recover all the all the all the critical situation of our refineries uh, just uh, Uh, let me let me remember uh, remind you of the accident of the massive explosion in the MY refinery in 2011 mm -hmm. talking about the the, the 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 level of destruction again of our refining sector and after that explosion in MY nothing nothing remained the same in our refining circuit right. all of our refinery suffered recurrent accidents Yeah. Month after month, mostly. Yeah. So, That's right why now, you... yeah. so right now it looks like an impasse. Uh, Nicolas Maduro remains quite firmly in power. And it seems to me that the Trump administration is unlikely to budge on, on sanctions unless uh, he's removed from, from power. So um, I know this is a little bit of a, a crystal ball gazing, but... Can you think of way away or ways that the stalemate might end? Uh, in my view, the U.S. won't won't stop uh, its maximum pressure against Maduro, and uh, you know, from this perspective, targeting PDVSA, continuing its pressure against uh, Venezuelan gasoline imports, uh, against uh, its reduced oil experts of or what's left of it you know as the as our trend of oil production continues to 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 go down i mean what's left to export uh, i don't know if in 2021 if this situation keeps going uh, i don't know i don't know if it uh, will turn into a net oil importer so uh, for me uh, the trump administration Uh, and of course, if he gets reelected in November, will 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 keep his strategy of you know financial exhaustion, financial strangulation, uh, in order to to you know to promote a political change in Venezuela. But uh, you know, I'm not I'm not one of those that believe in in any military incursion in Venezuela because that's not that's that's a nonsense, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that. This. From where I sit here in Singapore, it seems to me again that um, Juan Guaido, the uh, opposition leader, has sort of um, faded a little bit to the sidelines. So, uh, do you think the aim is still uh, for the US to have him take over power, or, or do you think at some point now 
uh, they'll just uh, you, the US will just have to go back to the drawing board on this. Yeah, well, yeah, Juan Guaido, uh, he, he started last year with a with a massive fervor. He he got to capitalize uh, a dormant, you know, population here in Venezuela, exhausted of all the political standoff. Um, but so far, you know, uh, we we can find a completely divided divided opposition, uh, a somewhat disenchanted uh, people with Juan Guaido. Juan Guaido, uh, you know, you you don't see. Well, of course, with now with this pandemic, you don't see any any massive protest or or even before the COVID 19 arrived in Venezuela. But he completely lost his political capital. Uh, we are now facing a somewhat illegitimate parliamentary elections in in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. There's too much too too much uncertainty. Uh, there's too much discontent over the whole economic crisis in Venezuela. Um, but there's no up, there's no smart opposition strategy right now. Again, because we have suffered. From 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 that situation in the past, uh, uh, personally, I uh, personally, to tell you the truth, I don't I don't I don't believe in any uh, of of any opposition representatives or or so-called leaders right now, because they they seem to represent their own interests right now okay. and safeguard okay. their their interests. You know? Okay, so uh, that's a bit sad. Uh, now let's talk about uh, Venezuela's friends internationally. Uh, so, in the uh, especially the early months of uh, the U.S. sanctions, we saw China and Russia standing quite firmly uh, by by Venezuela and perhaps I should say by uh, Nicolas Maduro's administration as well. Uh, but over the past few months, we see to have had some realignment uh, of friends and foes. So, so what is that looking like now? Well, I find like Maduro to new friends in the last months or recent years. For example, a an interesting case if if Maduro turning to Turkey a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well. The position of Erdogan and Turkey is a very apart opportunistic poster, you know, because he sees Venezuela as a market to to conquest. You know, here in Venezuela, a, a situation that you know in the past ten years, you don't you didn't get to see Turkish products in market or something like that. But now, now it's usual. It's usual. It's common to see Turkish products. In some cities, but yes, there's a lot of Turkish products, and there's a lot. There's more cooperation between Ankara and Caracas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's this re, you know, uh, a closer cooperation again with Tehran, uh, a relationship that has got into the freezer in the last years because of mm, diverse issues. But now, with the arrival of Iranian ships with gasoline, yeah, uh, there seems yeah. to be a realignment again, or a rapprochement again with between Caracas and Tehran. And of course, based on common interest and the the, the issues of U.S. sanctions against both countries, 
so there there's a way for for both countries to you know avoid sanctions uh, in terms of oil trading oil shipping the movement of, movement of tankers and you know and in that area uh, the issue of china china had a closer and more intense cooperation with with venezuela in my view when chavez was ruling venezuela mm. but mm, right now and i think that's because venezuela was highly indebted to china and uh, there were some you know commercial issues uh, and right now because of the dire economic crisis in venezuela maybe beijing is not seeing you know venezuela as as a profitable partner or some country to i mean i mean they want they want their return of investments here and another curious thing about china and their position in venezuela you know venezuela has been a country with a lot with a, with an important chinese community here in you know the last 40 years okay. but now i mean and many of them they were wealthy wealthy people wealthy families with you know with solid business here in venezuela but in many cases you hear and see cases of chinese people just fleeing of the country i mean they don't they don't see venezuela the country that they used they, they used to see like 20 or 30 years ago right so, so, right. so that's yeah, probably so quite is, indicative I mean, of the overall uh, position that beijing yeah. might have towards venezuela as well then very pragmatic very pragmatic unless uh, unlike the position for now that russia has towards caracas i mean the, russia still sees uh you know caracas uh, still as a geopolitical tool uh in terms of armed supplies in terms of logistical support to maduro in order to keep him in power um but in terms of you know for example oil oil deals you know partnerships and participations of russian companies in venezuela more intense in the you know in the past 10 years or or even you know or even less but you know here in venezuela we used to have like we used to have gas from we used to have uh luke oil luke oil left the country a couple of years a few years ago so and now rosneft as well right? russia yeah yeah but uh, as we know rosneft trading was sanctioned yeah. by the us yeah. and rosneft sold their you know its assets here in venezuela but it was transferred to some company cl- with closer links to the kremlin mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> uh, you know uh, according to some friends still in the industry they they have told me that they don't i mean it's uncertain how rosneft or Russia will continue its participation with PDVSA because I mean because of the whole picture of the oil production decline and the the whole crisis in the whole in the oil sector that's 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 how i see more or less how venezuela uh, is moving with its you know closer allies right now so we'll have to leave it there uh, jose thank you very much uh, for joining us and uh, for your very valuable insights into the country thank you very much mandana have a great day